Esau McCauley, welcome back to Viral Jesus. You can't eat Twitter followers. You can't hug them. You can, they, don't, they don't love you back, right? They don't provide meaning for your life. I'm not happier now than I was before I had a successful book. It doesn't do it. Every achievement that you have evaporates as you approach it. You get 30 minutes of celebration, maybe a day of any achievement, and then it becomes something that's in the past. From Christianity Today, this is Viral Jesus, a show about communication and the power of social connections, where we talk to some of the most influential Christian content creators to find out how they've made their faith go viral. I'm your host, Heather Thompson Day. I'm a professor of communication at Andrews University, and we have a saying in communication which says, words don't mean, people mean. What that means is that message meanings are never simply in words. This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of But God Can, How to Stop Striving and Live Purposefully and Abundantly, written and narrated by Becky Kaiser and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. They are also in people. This is why representation when it comes to reading scripture matters. Different words mean different things to different people. And I am so excited to share my second half of my conversation with my friend Esau McCauley, author of Reading While Black. Dr. Esau McCauley is an assistant professor of New Testament at Wheaton College. His second book, Reading While Black, African-American Biblical Interpretation as an Exercise in Hope, was published by InterVarsity Press. It has won numerous awards, including Christianity Today's Book of the Year. He is a contributing opinion writer for the New York Times. His writings have also appeared in places such as the Washington Post, Religion News Service, and Christianity Today. So talk to me about a time in your life where you felt the most disconnected from your passion, the most disconnected from whatever it was that you thought God had put on your life to do. What did that time of your life look like? And how did you move forward? What would you say to people who are still there right now? It was when I was doing my dissertation. So out of that came Reading While Black. So I'm not very good at being somebody else's version of me. And I'm very proud of that dissertation, and I did well. But it was me trying to get into a space that wasn't designed for me. And what I mean by that is I was trying to perform a role instead of being me. And I knew as I was working on the dissertation and nobody was ever going to read it, and especially nobody who was suffering was ever going to read it. And, and here's the thing. I wasn't as good at it. And there was a time where I thought I was going to flunk out of graduate school. Um, because I was just having a hard time for a variety of reasons, because I was just so different from my other doctoral students. And I remember thinking, what happens if I flunk out and I got to go back home? Because I was in Scotland doing my PhD. I got to come back to America as someone who failed. I was thinking like, oh, this is going to be really, really embarrassing. How am I going to talk about this to my friends and family? And this is true. I would actually, this is back when I used to be able to run more than I do now. But I used to go on runs and I would listen to gospel music and actually Christian hip hop. And I would say to myself, literally, as I was exercising, this is not the end of your story. And that one Mm. day when you finish this thing, you can use this season of your life as your testimony. And so basically, this sounds like like super Christian, but I prayed and fasted a lot. 
that's how I got through my doctoral program where I felt like I was so alienated from like who I was called to be. And out of that season, like came what became reading our black, because I said, you know what? I'm going to write something that I feel passionate about and nobody's going to tell me what it's like. And it was like, it was so funny because it people talk about things and they say, Issa, I love that you did that. And I was like, y'all realize that this was like my career that y'all laughing about. So like nobody, I mean, you show me the New Testament, Herman Newton's book that opens with, with the Andre 3000, you know, an outcast quote. But I was just like, when I came out of my doctoral program, I was like, I'm going to do this different. Or find me another Herman Newton's book that calls the appendix, the bonus track. And those may seem like small things, but it was out of this trauma of trying to be someone else that I actually find myself. And so I would say that, like, if you go through life, you're going to lose yourself a thousand times. It's impossible not to. But the important point is that you keep finding yourself. And not just finding yourself on some kind of, like, existential quest. I mean, finding the person who God has called you to be is the process of something you do over and over and over and over again. And to talk about that is you talk about success. So now I have a popular book. And that means everybody wants to come to me to do something. And it's once again, the danger of me losing myself because of the popularity. Failure is its own danger and success is its own danger. And so even now in the midst of all of like the stuff that's coming in the aftermath of reading while black, I have to ask myself over and over and over again, what is it that God has called me to do? How can I be faithful to it? Wow. I really like that, that failure has dangers, but so does success. I think that's a really powerful moment. I want to ask you, what advice would you give a college student? Both of us are teachers, right? Both of us are professors. What advice would you give to one of your students who just says to you, like, I'm a content creator, I'm a creative, and I don't know where to start? What advice would you give them? I think that everybody has a natural um, area where they excel. So since I'm a writer, um, Twitter is is where I started. But that might be social media. Content is like writing, right? That's just any kind of content. I would say, like, here's the thing. You have to fail towards competence. That's the thing that I would say to any student is that we are so used to being good at stuff, especially you go through your whole life, you get straight A's, you get scholarships, and you're used to being good. And most of us fail towards success. And what I mean is I have a, I, I have a bunch of really bad blogs that I've taken off the internet because they weren't written well. But that was a part of me finding my voice. When I started writing with the group blog, there was like 10 writers. I was never the most popular of those writers. You know, you kind of start comparing to other people. So like when they would post, they're supposed to do better than mine. I was never the most popular one during that time. I was still finding my voice. I was even when I my first Christianity Today articles, I hadn't like so like you have to develop the reps. And you can't just get to the end without necessarily going through the experience. My book came out when I was 40. But none of those years were wasted. And I think mm-hmm. that one of the things that content creators are sometimes worried about is the content and not the person. And what I mean is we're thinking about like this, like things that we can create. 
We need to be, kind of, be, the, be the kind of person who can create things that are sustainable. So in other words, God is often interested in forming a certain kind of person who then does certain kinds of activities. And we can think about doing the activities without thinking about the kind of person. And so during the time in which you're developing competence and failing, you're actually becoming the kind of person who may then be able to handle success later on. I'm, and I'm so glad that I didn't experience any success in my 20s and 30s. I don't know how old you are, Heather, so forgive me for saying this, but I'm 41. I'm, I'm on the other side. I'm an oldster. Um, what I'm saying is, like, I'm now married. I got four kids, and I don't care about none of y'all. In the sense of, like, I'm not living to please people. And all of the experiences of the things that I had during all of these different points in my life now feed into the things that I create. And had I had success at 25, I don't know what that would have done to my own soul. So it may be the case that the early part of your career where you're creating a bunch of bad stuff that no one is paying attention to is actually a prerequisite to what they might, what you might become later on. Because all of us have seen like the wreckage of Christians who, who produced a lot of great content, who had horrible character that then destroyed all the content that they created. And I think, I think there's a tweet that cause I delete my tweets every like six months or so. But there's a tweet that I put out at some point um, a year ago or at some point in the past where I said, I'm just trying to get out of this thing with my integrity intact. And that's really true. I cannot, I cannot determine the impact of the things that I say. But when I die, I'm not, I, <laughs> I just don't want 15 people coming out and saying, Esau did A, B, and C. I want people to say, like, I, he lived with integrity. He made it from one day to the other, right? And, like, that's what I'm trying to do. And I know I know, we're thinking about, yes, I want to do this. I want to get to these places. But tend to your own soul, lest your content create a fire that, like, burns down your life. So that might be some advice that I get to content creators. Forgive me for being, like, Professor Esau saying, like, don't try to get too much too soon because you might not be ready for it. This episode is brought to you in part by World Relief, an organization that partners with the local church to serve the most vulnerable. Around the world, increased conflict, the lingering effects of COVID-19, and disasters caused by our changing climate have left millions of people in desperate situations. Many are fleeing their homes and are facing starvation, persecution, and more. These overwhelming challenges cause many of us to wonder, can I make a difference? The answer is simple. Yes, you can. When you join The Path, World Relief's monthly giving community, you partner with World Relief in bringing hope and transformation to the millions experiencing vulnerability around the world. And when you partner with your monthly gift by September 30th, your first year of monthly gifts will be matched dollar for dollar up to $25,000. Double the impact of your giving and visit worldrelief.org slash viraljesus today. So the book that I have coming out in June is called It's Not Your Turn. And that what you've just said, I'm like nodding my head so hard because is exactly the premise of the book, which is I really truly believe that who we are when it's not our turn 
is actually more important than who we will be when it is. And God is trying to be create in us a person of integrity because everybody wants to stand up and give the sermon or write the book when there's thousands of people clapping for you. Are you kidding me? Anybody would do that. But who's turning the podcast light on when there's two listeners? And I really think that that is what God needs is people who are doing it because of the work even more than the accolades. Yeah. And and I would say like, it's not, if I can talk about success, like I spent, I spent a lot of time, like I'm 40, I'm 41 years old. Like 20,000 of y'all showed up during my 41st year of life on social media. So this is like, I can speak to this with at least some, some clarity. You can't eat Twitter followers. You can't hug them. You can, they, don't, they don't love you back, right? They don't provide meaning for your life. I'm not happier now than I was before I had a successful book. It doesn't do it. Every achievement that you have evaporates as you approach it. You get 30 minutes of celebration, maybe a day of any achievement, and then it becomes something that's in the past. And here's the other thing. This is not fun. In the sense of like, I don't know why anybody would want a lot of people paying attention to them. This might be the other reason why my social media is somewhat interesting is that I still don't believe that I'm that I'm like a public figure in the sense of the things that I say matter. But the scrutiny that comes with having a public profile can sometimes be exhausting because everybody feels like they have the right to your opinion. And I just don't understand why people want a lot of people paying attention to them. Like I want people to read my books because I think I help, hopefully I have something helpful to say about how to live as a Christian. But I don't thrive off the attention of other people. And I don't thrive off of like having a lot of people mad at you because it doesn't matter who you are. If there's a lot of people paying attention to you, there's going to be a significant number of people who don't like you. And so just be careful of like pursuing something that doesn't like bring you any joy satisfaction. Um, I mean, I find satisfaction in the craft of writing itself. And putting together the words, the sentences and the paragraphs. I find some satisfaction in the fact that I have a voice that I can periodically use to help marginalized groups. It doesn't matter if it comes out in June. As it speaks right now, I'm trying to figure out, okay, what can I do to help the the Asian American community, the Asian community more broadly in the context of a real trauma? So using my writing skills to talk about a community at risk or even to, to glorify God through the things that I write and say is the end. Whatever else happens is 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 just extra, um, and kind of the cost of doing business. And so I would say to just like be really joyful in the craft, because the craft has its own beauty. Um, one of the things that maybe that you will know this too, writing has a certain like it's, there's a certain pleasure to it. You write sentences that you know ninety percent of people aren't going to get the nuances of. But for the two people who are paying attention to it, they're going to love this sentence. And like the joy of thinking of this idea and putting it to paper is I don't know what what can beat it or whatever artistic mode that you express yourself in. Let that be sufficient for you. Yeah. So that's what I really love about social media is, you know, as a writer, I wrote all these articles my whole life that literally nobody read. (laughs) And the idea that we can just put words together online and people read it and see it and it impacts them. For a writer, it's like, are you kidding? Yeah. I will never go back. I absolutely love that about social media. I was going to say, like, the weird part about being an academic, as you understand, is that academics reward people for, like, not being read. It's a weird dynamic <laughs> that you have to prove as an academic sometimes you can write boring stuff, which is important, right, to show that you have the technical skill. But also there's something about saying 
it's nice when people read the things that you have to say because you actually write it for humans to help them in their life. And so you're right. Mm-hmm. The, the idea of I wrote something to help someone makes me feel really good sometimes. So the goal of this podcast is, A, just to help Christians and content creators be better, I hope, communicators, both online and offline. And so I want to ask you, now I'm asking you as Dr. McCauley, okay. okay? What one piece of advice would you give to Christians on how they can best share the gospel? I think um, to say that Jesus creates his own crisis. What I mean is that sometimes when we begin to think about like what presenting the gospel means, it means that we establish a need and then we show that Jesus meets the need. I think that if you look at something like Peter's sermon on Pentecost, so like in other words, you're a sinner, Jesus can solve the problems you're saying by accepting him. That's There's nothing wrong with that. And that mode of presentation, show the lack, present Jesus as the solution, is one way of talking about Christianity. But I actually have a different mode of operating, especially publicly. And that is that Jesus creates the crisis. In other words, what Peter does in his first sermon on Pentecost is he tells the story of Jesus, right? And then it says, after he tells the story of Jesus, the people are cut to the heart. And then they say, what must I do to be saved? And then he goes, here's the solution to the problem. In other words, I think people come to Christian. And think about this. Like, Jesus is the crisis, right? So you don't have to convince me I'm sinful. Once you show me what Jesus did, I intuit that the problem with sin must be really, really bad, right? So then I go, well, then if Jesus did this, then what does it say about me? Oh, it says these things about me. Those things are true. Therefore, I need to make this kind of change. Like we're, we're drawn to the person of Jesus. So I'm not saying that we need to avoid sin at all. What I'm saying is the proclamation of Christ crucified creates the crisis that leads to transformation is a a fair way of operating in the world. So for me, I'm going to preach Jesus. I'm going to tell you about Jesus as the compelling figure of human history. And the the articulation of the person of Christ causes you to make a decision. And so I would say, y'all, listen, like Jesus is the star of our show. And making Jesus the star of our show instead of merely the solution to our problem Mm. is one way I would think about it. It doesn't mean that you don't talk about human sinfulness. It's not saying that. What I'm saying is like present Jesus, right? Remember like the Ethiopian Ethiopian eunuch, right? He's reading the story of the suffering servant on the road um, from Gaza. And he asked Philip, who is this about, this passage that I'm reading? Who's this about? The prophet or someone else. And beginning with the story of the suffering servant, Philip preached the gospel to him. He said, this is about this person named Jesus. And and the Ethiopian goes, well, what must I do to be baptized? And so I would say never lose sight of the compelling nature of the person of Christ as the entry point into conversations with people about what it means to follow Jesus. Um, And I say this as a Paul scholar, um, that um, Paul says, I knew nothing among you but Christ and him crucified. Obviously, Paul said more than Jesus Christ and him crucified, because that would have been two minutes and he wrote a bunch of letters. What he's saying is the proclamation of the crucified and risen Messiah, the person who's all powerful, you know, like that's such a great story. Don't lose it. Mm. 
all the best hymns start there at the controversy at the contradiction between these two terms crucifixion king jesus so overly simple but start with keep it keep jesus central I love that. As we close out here, I just want to ask you for anybody who has not read Reading While Black, and I have a copy of it right here. I've recommended it to tons of my students. My husband's read it. What would you tell them? Why should they read it? What are they going to get when they read it? I would tell them to buy whatever book that Heather has coming out on time (laughs) if you want to. (laughs) Um, I would say, I mean, I really really wrote the book because... um, I felt like there was a time when, and, and I think that I was, God was speaking. I mean, like, I think I was in prayer discerning properly what God was calling me to do. You see, there was this real sense in which to be, can one be a Christian who loves the scriptures and care about justice? And I want to say, yeah, you can. And in the black church, this has been a normal way of reading the Bible. And I wanted to minister in particular to students. I thought about the 21-year-old college student who grew up loving Jesus and thinking about, you know, the marginalized, and then they were made to feel like a crazy person for holding these two things together. And I want to say you can hold these things together, and here's an example of a community that's done so throughout time. And so if that would minister to you, then read it. If not, I mean, read it and then actually buy Heather's book first, and then if you got some money left over, get reading while black. Well, Dr. McCauley, you have been a joy. Thank you so much for joining us on an episode of Viral Jesus. Since this is a bonus episode, we won't have a growing viral segment this week or next week, but please keep using your Viral Jesus hashtags so you can alert me to people who maybe I haven't heard of yet, but I should certainly be following as they grow viral. Join us next week as the tables get turned and I am the one being interviewed. I'm going to talk about how I built my social media community and why I think communication is so radically important to every Christian conversation. This episode was brought to you in part by the Lord of Spirits podcast. Many Christians yearn to break free of the influence of secular materialism and to understand the union of the seen and unseen worlds as made by God. What is the spiritual world like? Tune in wherever you get your podcasts.